Hey, Kelsey. Hey, Brooke. Want to tell everyone what's happening in today's episode? In today's episode, I'm going to tell you about a conversation I had with Tina Cassidy about Jackie Kennedy Onassis. Ooh, all right. Let's get into this. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%, the podcast that explores what happened to the women in history class. Now, here's your host, Kelsey Brooke Eckert, and her partner in crime, Brooke Neva Sullivan. Okay, so I'm so excited to tell you about this conversation. I feel so privileged to have been able to meet with Tina Cassidy. Yeah, so tell me about Tina. Well, let me have her introduce herself. This is what she said. Hi, my name is Tina Cassidy, and I write about women and culture as sort of my side gig, if you will. It's it's what I do for fun and also for personal edification. And my day job, I'm the chief marketing officer at WGBH, Educational Foundation in Boston. Um, and we are the largest content creator for PBS, and we also own uh, Boston's local NPR station. And prior to my current role, I was also, I I worked in agencies. And before that, I was a journalist. Uh, I I think I was probably 11 years old when I decided I wanted to be a writer. So really storytelling has been the thread throughout all of the various aspects of my professional career. So she has tons of experience in the world um, and writes on women's history. And um, she recently wrote a piece about Jackie's life after the Kennedy assassination. So that became sort of the topic of our conversation. And um, but before we get to that, I have been doing a lot of thinking about people like Jackie Mm -hmm who are so interesting. And actually, there was a film called Jackie that came out a couple years ago. There's been a lot of people playing. I mean, she's the ideal. She's iconic. She is iconic. And so a lot of actresses are like, let me play Jackie O. Yeah. And um, I think what's really hard about her story and many women like her that are famous, um, I mean, well, let's start with let's start with her story. She she meets Kennedy. She is it's very American, you know, aristocracy royalty. and royalty. I mean, it's very prince and princess esque. Yeah. She has a job as a journalist and has to give that job up yeah. when she gets engaged to him, and um, and she really becomes this partner in this political endeavor that you know, yeah. and and the Kennedy, you know, we could get into the. Kennedy family history for a long time, but, you know, they have been trying to get a Kennedy in the White House forever. Yeah. And, um, and so, so she's really interesting, um, but her story, and I think many women like hers, are kind of like pop culture stories, and they don't fit the narrative you know like when you're talking about the 1960s you're talking about oh my gosh so rights you're talking about vietnam you're talking about the cold war you're talking about all these other things and jackie's story is sort of like a footnote you know in this like she was very president like very present to the president but she isn't a leading storyline by any means so it's not like you jump right in on jackie i mean 
she revolutionized fashion and hair and a lot of other things about women at that time of how they saw themselves as mothers. Well, and as a historian, I'm super thankful to her because she, you know, helped establish and preserve a lot of the things that the White House Historical Association yes. now takes care yeah. of. And, um, and, and so I think that's really, you know, her legacy as a first lady, something that she took on. In addition to all the the hair and the dress and everything. So I was thinking about when I teach about this time period and where Jackie comes in. And, you know, like probably most history teachers, I don't take a day to learn about her. Yeah, I can't imagine that it comes in. And so, so should I? And so... This is what I think is a really great place to centralize her, and then it could be an opportunity to tell her story more, Um, which is Kennedy's assassination. That is a national event that you got to teach about. You have to. You have got to talk about that assassination, a president dying. Yeah. It revolutionized the country. So And it really is Jackie's day. Oh my gosh, yeah. And I and that sounds like a really weird thing to say, but how she made it through those hard moments and showed up for the country in a really difficult time with two small children. I can't even imagine. And so it's interesting because I think about my mother. I lost my dad when I was 10. Yeah. And uh, I had two sisters that were younger than me. And I think about my mom and the things that she had to deal with and go through the loss of friendships because people didn't know how to, to talk speak to, to her. her. Yeah. Um, the, you know, the personal grief that you have to go through, but you can't. Like, you don't, there's no room to suffer because you have kids. To take care of, yeah. And you have to be there for them, and so you have to level up. And then I think about my mom and my mom's experience, and then I think, and first of all, my dad's death, yes, it was a tragedy, yes, it was random, but he died of a heart attack. Nobody was trying to, to kill, kill him. him. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is a completely different thing. And then... um and, and then to be in the national spotlight and to be setting precedents for how you cope with these things. Well, and how a presidential funeral will happen. I mean, and how a partition, you know, it's like who will stand next to the the funeral procession? How many people are allowed to see them? Yeah. It's like he, it set in motion all of the things that we have in place now when someone is buried at, at Arlington or in the National Cemetery. So. Absolutely. So before we get to the the planning of the, the burial and all of that, one thing that's really interesting, um, a, a, just an easy way to put her in put her in the story and to get take a moment to talk about her, mm-hmm. is um, the pictures. Just let right. the pictures speak for themselves. When um, we have pictures taken of the assassination itself, and one of the things that strikes me about that is. Um, Kennedy's shot twice. He's right. shot and the first time, and he doesn't slump over, and he kind of, like, slides. And one thing that's interesting when you look at the pictures is, A, you see that in him. But if you look at her in the pictures, she climbs on the back of the convertible, and 
is like in the line of fire, like putting her body between snipers and her husband. And I don't know what she's doing, and I probably should know what she's doing on the back, but the fact that she doesn't isn't also trying to duck and cover is just mind-blowing. And she is taken, you know, with him in the convertible to the hospital um, where she's obviously, like, dealing with all of the things that the wife of somebody would deal with. But then also there's this transition of power that's going on. And so she gets put onto the plane with Lyndon B. Johnson, who will go on to become president, and he is sworn in on this plane flying back to D.C. with Jackie standing right next to him wearing the same dress that she was wearing in the convertible she's got blood all over her and she doesn't change until much later when they're back at the white house and it's just a really what a traumatic event like you just think of she's a human she's a person in that moment she's just a wife she's not the first lady she's a woman who just watched her husband be murdered in front of her in her arms. Yeah. And she uh, makes connections between her her husband and uh, Abraham Lincoln. Absolutely. And she wants, and, 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 you know, it's interesting, there are so many parallels. Oh my gosh. Uh, and I mean, there's all the conspiracy like, theories. Well, those, but then, I mean, all of their civil rights. I mean, the civil rights work. Yeah, their civil rights work alone is like the strongest parallel I feel like you can find between the two of them. Well, but both men are shot in the presence of their wife. Yes, wife sitting right next to them. Um, he's shot in a Lincoln. That's the vehicle. Oh, isn't I didn't that, know that interesting? Um, so I mean, there's you can Google these. There's a whole list of weird conspiracies. Um. I mean, people can find commonalities in anything after the fact, but it's yeah. just, yeah. It's, it's fascinating. I imagine so, there's probably a lot. <laughs> yeah. And so she intentionally, when she plans the funeral, she actually plans that with Lincoln's funeral in mind. And so the, the things that um, Mary Todd Lincoln did, mm-hmm. she does for um, John. And I think that's... It's sort of an intentional choice to create this, to put her husband up there on a pedestal with mm-hmm. Lincoln, um, I think is, is an inter- is, was an intentional choice on her yeah, part. Yeah, makes sense. Um, and so for most people, though, that's probably where her moment in your classroom probably ends. And I would challenge people that I think this is a really great opportunity to just tell the kids the rest of her story. Because yeah. what did she go on to do after that? So that's what I talked with Tina about. Okay. But I do want to talk about the why just for a second, because the why I think is really important. We culturally all across the world have this um, this norm that when women become widowed, mm-hmm. they disappear. That's the end. And um, we see that in, you know, the mourning periods that people adopted, wearing black, um, rules about how long you have to wait till you can be married and blah, blah, blah. Around the world, there's all sorts of different traditions. In Mm. India in particular, and this is a very extreme one, um, it just stands out to me that, like, literally women would would kill themselves when their spouse died. What? Yeah. And so, like, that's not the same in the West, but I think... 
we need to appreciate that women can go on to live lives beyond their spouse and that's okay and it's not it's not dishonoring you know that that person that came before and um you can love multiple people in your life and those can be different loves and yeah you can create something amazing yeah and something different for yourself in a different path well and there's great parallels like eleanor roosevelt after after franklin dies she goes on she goes on to literally write the UN Declaration of Human <laughs> Rights. So, like, I think she lived a little. She lived a little. We'll allow know? it. <laughs> we'll allow it. But to your question, uh, Tina talked a little bit first about why um, Jackie O gets left out of history beyond this point and why this part of her life isn't as talked about. And um, she gives her own answer. So this is what she said. Okay. Mm-hmm. I think that was that was certainly her choice. Um, you know, she she flees to New York. Uh, she tries to um, regain some normalcy, uh, however impossible that was. You know, she had two kids to raise as a single parent, um, trying to put her life back together again. And um, you know, of course, uh, by the late '60s, then Bobby Kennedy was assassinated, and uh, she was very close to him. And, um, I think it was just this incredibly dark period in American history, but if you can imagine how that affected her and her kids, um, you know, she really just wanted to, uh, you know, keep herself and her kids safe. And I think she had also had it with America. Um, so you can sort of see the logic in her, um, turning to this relationship with Aristotle Onassis, whom she marries, and, um, you know, he has, he sort of offers this idea of um, sort of physical protection with his private island in Greece and his, you know, yacht in the Mediterranean and um, certainly financial security and so forth. Um, you know, so it, it all makes sense on some level. And then on another level, you're like, oh, it's not what Americans hoped would happen with Jackie. Um, you know, but I, it, it wasn't really up to America. She was a grown up making her own quite valid decisions about, you know, how to live her life and, and feel safe and secure. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense that someone would want to go off and well and they were such in the public eye for so long that they just really probably wanted some privacy and to be out of this yeah and give her children maybe a little bit of normalcy for some time yeah it makes a lot of sense yeah it totally does so I asked I told her I was like this is just wild what she goes through and um she goes on to tell me a little bit about the history that jackie experienced you know what what happens to her after this moment and this is what she said the experience of living in the white house you know she knew that she called it the fishbowl um i mean it, it certainly was then it still is um you know to have your husband's assassination captured live on television and radio and then have to you know relive that on an annual basis and have a public funeral and um you know all of that yes it's just incredibly um incredibly challenging for me what i was interested in in learning about Jackie um 
was, you know, what else was going on in her life um, and, and how she took control of her life after the White House, um, specifically in this period after 1975. So I'll fill in a few of the missing history pieces for those who might, who might not know. She leaves the White House, moves to New York. Her kids start to grow up. Um, 1968, she marries Aristotle Onassis and, um, you know, begins to live this uh, sort of um, jet set life. Uh, you know, he never fully moved to America. So she was back and forth, Greece, Paris, et cetera. Um, and it was a challenging relationship and one that began to fray. And then in 1975, Aristotle Onassis died. And suddenly here was Jackie, um, you know, with uh, at a stage in her life um, where she could stand on her own, not as a wife, but as an individual. So in 1975, uh, Caroline Kennedy was a senior in high school. She was, you know, so Jackie was becoming almost an empty nester. Um, she got involved with uh, saving Grand Central from Grand Central Station in, in New York City from uh, demolition or redevelopment. Uh, she also decided to become a book editor that year. And um, this was not someone who needed the money. She really did it because uh, she loved books. She loved, um, you know, the idea of having a career and she began her, her very first uh, career out of college. She was a photojournalist, um, sort of a columnist for a Washington newspaper. And she had to quit uh, the day uh, she accepted uh, JFK's proposal. And so you can sort of, if you follow the arc of her life, you can sort of see her kind of coming full circle as a person, right? Like what she had to give up to be that wife to be the first lady, um, you know, what she may have given up um, to, to be Aristotle Onassis's wife as well. You know, he was certainly, um, you know, I think many people would agree he treated her like a trophy. Um, and so, you know, 1975 is also an important year in American history. You know, Watergate's going on, the Vietnam War is ending, um, the women's movement is raging. So it was a time of great change in our country. And, you know, here's Jackie going through her own personal transformation, um, stepping into a role as, as a, you know, a single woman at midlife. Um, okay, maybe the most famous woman on the planet, but still, <laughs> you know, she could finally decide what she wanted to do on her own accord. Um, and I just think it's it's remarkable the year that she has and how it sort of sets herself up for that third act in her life, you know, without the husband and with the kids grown and, um, you know, kind of being that free woman in the city. Um, you know, it's a it's a fascinating transformation. And she would have never, she did not identify as a feminist, by the way. You know, this is a woman who was born in the 20s and certainly came of age during a very different time. Uh, you know, she was the kind of woman who had been bred that you needed to be married. And, you know, um, you know, she was just from a certain class and, and age. But, um, 
you know, I think that the if you look at her actions more than how she would have described herself in words, what we can see is that, you know, she valued having a career. She was almost always the smartest person in the room. You can see that going back to her time in the White House where, you know, she did incredible work, but again, all behind the scenes and gave all of the credit to um, to the president. Um you know, even um, before they got into the White House, JFK uh, was convalescing and wanted to write a book. And she she basically provided, you know, the, the raw research material and helped him sketch it out and worked on rewrites with him. And, uh, you know, the idea that that was the first book that Jackie edited, if you will, it was Profiles in Courage, uh, is remarkable. Um, so, you know, JFK could not have done that without her. And it's not as if she were out there claiming any kind of credit for it, you know? Um, it's just kind of a classic thing for a woman to do, to, to offer the support and not take the credit or even ask for it. Um, but I, I personally just think it's important that people know how accomplished she was. She wasn't just a fashion icon. She wasn't just a widow. She wasn't just a mother. She was wicked smart, as they say, and <laughs> um, and a really cool person. So, like, this is an amazing life that she I mean, lives afterwards. Unbelievable. Just so much is accomplished. I didn't realize I didn't know that she was a reporter. Yeah. Yeah, she goes on to, like, have a career in – well, she started in journalism. Which also didn't know. I, you know – you imagine Jackie O grows up in like this similar posh, posh <laughs> lifestyle that she was just like handpicked by JFK to be his partner. You know, you don't really imagine that she was a career woman prior and like had interests. Yeah, and had aspirations of being a you know political correspondent or a reporter or whatever. You know, yeah. very interesting that she was a strong writer. Yeah, yeah, it's so cool. Um, so. It did strike me, though, her comment about her not being a feminist and yet all of these actions. You know, this is 1975. The feminist movement is, like, in full force. Right, but I think at that time, you have to imagine what feminist was to many women at yep. that time. And it was very adversarial and anti-men and um, anti showering and perfume. It could have been. And, you know, <laughs> that was definitely like, like the and, stereotype. Yeah, the stereotype. Even though none of those women would have probably said that that was what they were doing. Absolutely like, not. But it like it, it definitely had, you know, two sides of a coin. Yeah. And I can imagine Jackie O or, you know, Jackie at the time being very adverse to identifying with that group. Yeah. And yet her actions were right on par. Right on par. Yeah. So what was interesting, so I asked her, I said, I asked Tina, I was like, is it okay to uh, label her as a feminist if that's not the label she would have given herself? And this is what she said. No, definitely not. I mean, I, I think the rules were just different then for women as well, right? You were supposed to, to be a good girl meant you, you didn't ask for anything. You didn't make too many, you know, too much noise. You, you, you know, you didn't raise your hand, um, you, you, you let the boys go first, uh, you know, like that was just culturally ingrained. And I think that today we can see the damage that that has done, um, you know, in terms of developing female leaders or, uh, 
the the um, the obviously incorrect perception that maybe women don't even have leadership skills, right? Um, so yeah, it's not wrong to give them the credit today. Uh, they should have been taking credit then. There were people then who probably should have been giving credit. I think this is why we're in the state that we're at with American history, where we're having to go back and correct history and say, no, there were women at the table doing amazing things. We just didn't think it was necessary to notice mm. or to give them the credit. So yeah, this is all part of the journey that we're on. Well, hello there. Do you wish your high school history course had more drinking, more swearing, and more ladies? Well, do we have the show for you. Her Story on the Rocks is a long-form podcast talking about good women, bad women, fictional women, and non-fictional women from all times and places. Basically, each week we pair two women who we research with a themed signature cocktail. You won't be sorry you listened to our latest episode. Available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Cheers. Cheers. For lesson plan ideas and how to teach women's history, visit our website, www.remedialherstory.com. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Remedial Herstory. If you think what we're doing is needed, please consider joining our Patreon community. Patreon allows you to sponsor a podcast with a small donation. Patrons get access to bonus materials, extended episodes, insider information, and gear. Give at whatever level you can. Patrons who give at the $25 tier will receive a Remedial Herstory mug and a booklet of all the Remedial Herstory lesson plans and resources. This episode is sponsored by our patrons. Thank you to Kent and Jamie Heckel from Ohio, Sarah Reardon from New Hampshire, Leah Tanger from Connecticut, and Bridget Erlinson from Connecticut. You guys make this show possible. I mean, you can't, you, you can't, you can't overlook Jackie during the assassination, you know, I mean, I think, um, I, but I think the, the thing that would be wrong to do would be just to look at her as a tragic figure in the bloody suit or the black veil, right? Um, I think it's important to acknowledge how she helped shape the myth of Camelot, how she helped get JFK elected, um, with her own, uh, you know, sort of voter engagement. You know, she was writing a column um, while she was on uh, pregnancy bed rest, um, you know, that was intended to engage female voters. It was called Campaign Wife. Um, she was going out and speaking to audiences in Spanish and French. Like, these things had never happened before. It was a completely groundbreaking approach to, um, you know, the the campaign wife, if you will. Um, so she she deserves a whole lot of credit for all of that. Um, but you know, if you're teaching second wave feminism, 
Jackie is a very interesting woman to place in that context because, you know, you used the words, you know, she was benefiting from it, meaning feminism, um, even though she didn't identify as a feminist. But, um, you know, just the image of her, even if she didn't intend it, the image of her being out there, you know, walking down Fifth Avenue and her cool bell bottoms and her big sunglasses, you know, going to work in a publishing office, you know, that showed other women that they could aspire to be more than a wife or a mom, right? They could have a job. Look at Jackie's doing it. And I have had so many people say, you know, yes, Jackie inspired my mom to go get a job when we were grown up. Um, I, I think that she had perhaps this unintended impact on, American women at that time, um, when so many were still housewives and couldn't envision themselves doing anything else. Um, so, you know, it's okay if she didn't want to call herself a feminist. I think we get hung up on terminology and there are so many people today who think feminist is a dirty word, which I don't understand why. It just means that you believe in women. Um, that's all it means. Um, <laughs> so, but she was, she was transformational in so many ways. Um, you know, and I, I think that that's the context that we should think about her. Well, so interesting. Yeah. I feel so grateful to Tina for coming on and talking with me. Yeah, she's and incredible. She was such a highlight and so knowledgeable about these two women. Her articles are available online. Okay. Um, so you can, you can read all the sorts of things that she's written about these women, um, about Jackie and, and other women. And, um, we do have lesson plans about Jackie O and these ones, uh, still inquiry, but doing exactly what we talked about, which is, um, taking a look at these images yep. and centralizing Jackie in this story of the assassination and then um, leaving it open for kids to pursue okay. interest of what happened afterwards. And um, and so I think it, it's a nice way to, like, bring this full circle. That's great. Yeah. Very fun. So thanks, Brooke, for being here. Yeah. I'm Brooke Sullivan. I'm Kelsey Eckert. See you next time. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to Remedial Her Story, the other 50%. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to your podcasts to bring more voices to the conversation. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.